0: It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 694, 694. I know I can say that. 694 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Now, you might tell I'm a little rusty. This is we've been off for a couple weeks. This is the first new episode of 2019, and I hope everyone had a safe and happy holiday season. And hopefully you're back refreshed, energized, ready to conquer 2019. I know I am. How about you? Well, to help you get the year off to a great start, we've got an excellent guest lined up for you today. Joining me on the show is Jake Dunlap. Jake is the founder and CEO of Scaled. Now, today's conversation is all about how do you reconcile and how do you balance between technology and human relationships in sales? Now we've experienced this incredible growth in the quantity and quality of sales tools, sales technology that's available to sellers over the past few years. That's created this sort of ongoing debate about whether sellers perhaps are relying too much on tools in place of building the necessary relationships with buyers. And after all, we all know people buy from people, not from tools. But you know, we need both the tools and the relationships. So what's the right balance to strike? Well, we're going to talk about that with Jake, and really talk about why Jake believes we're entering the era of the buyer in B2B sales and what that will mean for the role of the salesperson the individual seller such as you I mean can you add continue to add more value to the buyer than a bot for instance I mean that's a great question to keep in mind as you listen to our conversation today Now we are here at the beginning of the new sales year and if you haven't mapped out your plan yet for how you're going to grow this year you need to get started on that. Now, by grow, I don't mean just your sales results. I'm really referring to what has to happen first is you know, how you gonna grow the skills, the behaviors, and the habits that will enable you to increase your sales. So I've got a tool for you to help you with this. If you come to the saleshouse.com forward slash sales plan, that's the saleshouse.com forward slash sales plan. There you can download a top-level overview of the sales plan I've successfully used personally for more than 30 years to create the effective strategies and tactics that enabled me to close hundreds of millions of dollars of orders with customers all around the world. So you want to get this, you want to download this, you want to put this to use in your selling today, so visit thesaleshouse.com forward slash sales plan. Now, the beginning of the new sales year, is also the perfect time to join the sales house. It is, after all, the only all-in-one growth accelerator for B2B sellers. So download the sales plan over you, and then go check out the sales house. It will enable you to become the very best version of you. All right, let's jump into it with my guest today, Jake Dunlap. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Andy?
0: I'm doing well. Here we are, both New Yorkers, talking to each other from California locations. <laughs> Me in San Diego, you in San Francisco. That's right. It's a fun world, isn't it? Of course. Yeah, tied to any one location. We can do this from anywhere, practically. So That's right. Good stuff. So you're Dreamforce this week.
1: That's correct. Yes,
0: I've managed to avoid this year, but <laughs>
1: it's it, a love. It's a love hate. And I feel like after after a few years, it, it turns that way, and then you're like, I kind of miss hanging out with those people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always have a good time. But I, I was talking to somebody yesterday who was very similar to me the way they approach it. I think the only time I actually go in Salesforce is when I'm actually speaking at Salesforce. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, it's just meetings around the periphery, which uh, exactly sounds pretty much what you're doing.
1: That's exactly yes, that's exactly right. I'll, I'll I will actually go into Dreamforce for the first time uh, later today. Okay.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, into the main hall, which is uh, if people haven't been. It's it's uh, definitely uh, worth going. A quite least, an experience, and B times. if if you suffer from claustrophobia at all, probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that in the <laughs> subway, stay away. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we we were. Our scheduled talk today about which I think we're going to, um, not to make it sound like we're going to change it, but there's this issue is yeah, we've got this influx of technology into sales and sales automation, various forms, AI, so on and so forth. And it starts butting up against this idea of the fact that the human aspect of selling is still really paramount and central to forming a a working relationship with a buyer. So it's like, how do we reconcile these? Because certainly we see examples of of the ways technology are being used in sales that do nothing to further <laughs> the building of a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, if if anything. But it doesn't have to be that way. At least my my way of thinking is that you know ultimately the end game with technology and in, in sales, and I wrote about this this earlier this week, is it's going to be used to help us. And facilitate the building of relationships and facilitate the building of trust. We're not anywhere near that yet, I think. But but let's talk about what's happening today and what what might come.
1: Well, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be very channel dependent, and I think a lot of a lot of the ways that teams are going to use or have to adjust their sales cycle is going to be based on the buyers' behavior. Meaning, what what I will say though is that I think as we saw, you know, kind of in B two C, where you know people want to go down the funnel themselves. You know, a mm-hmm. little further and further and further, and the way that we've orchestrated sales teams for you, know, really since the and the the invention of the SDR role, has actually been very anti that almost. You know, it's we have to qualify you and have a meeting and do this. And I think we're kind of to that that stage now where buyers want to do a little bit of their own research. Tools exist for them to do their own research. They come in more educated, and they, I think they just want a. A less friction in the buying process, and what I think that's going to mean, especially for more transactional products, um, you know, co- companies that might sell something that's less than, you know, let's call it ten thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. um, the, it, the, you know, how what 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 it means to be in sales for those products, I think is going to be a lot more shepherding and a lot more project management, and salespeople are going to have to be smart about the ecosystem and really, you know, really serve as a guide. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas at the enterprise, you know, I, I think we're 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 not even close to there yet. But, you know, I think you're seeing more and more of these, you know, you look at tools like Drift, right, that allow me to come to a website, the bot can answer a few basic questions, which is great. And then I don't get bombarded by a sales rep because I downloaded a stupid ebook, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I think we're just kind of at this like very beginning. And I think those, those lower average sales price products are going to be the ones that are really affected by this, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, look, we're we we have to as sales leaders and professionals, we have to adopt to what you know, adapt um, strategies that our buyers want and and how our buyers want to interact with us. So, I you know, I, they, that's kind of on the, at the top of the funnel. We can you know, we'll get into it later on how teams should be thinking about technology. But I, I'm really excited because I think we're kind of we're really going to be entering into an era of the buyer where the buyers you know just like. When you go to buy a car or a house, you know the the buyer has more information usually than the realtor or the car salesperson. And I think we're kind of we're moving in that direction in B two B. And I think that's exciting. I think it's going to force salespeople to have to actually get smarter about the industries, and they're they're really only going to be able to differentiate based on their knowledge. And I actually I, th- I think it's actually really exciting.
0: Well, so there's a lot in there to to unpack. That you talked <laughs> about. And so so let's just go back to the beginning a little bit. Is yeah, this idea of, of friction in a channel is one that people have written about for some time. And we've already seen uh you know, examples, many of the examples in the business to business space where uh yeah, you know, salespeople are gone that previously existed. I mean, there used to be, you know, your local mom pa office supply store used to have salespeople out yep. calling on companies and yeah, you know, we don't need people to sell us pens and pencils and pads and office supplies and so on. That's that's you know, an example of one relatively low dollar amount, probably ten twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, the information is all available online. You just don't need a a salesperson, and so I think yeah, on the lower end, we're going to continue to see that that trend. Um, but I think that it, I believe, and you you touched on this, is that as we get into a little more complex B two B sales, is that I think the role of automation is that, or not the role. One of the artifacts of of increased use of automation is this necessity to be human, to be authentic, to be able to be able to form a relationship. Actually, becomes more important because the role of the human doesn't go away, but I think it becomes more concentrated in many respects.
1: Well, I, I, I think it's it's not that the role doesn't go away, but I think. What what you, what we will be doing is what will be different. Meaning, if if it used to be that say one of the main job of sales, right, through the demo and through other things, is to educate, right? I got to educate you on what's happening, etc. I think when people are now, even I mean, I think it'll it's going to happen at the mid market and enterprise level when people come to you with more information. It means what they expect from you is going to be different. I think they're going to expect less. you know, some somewhat sales things and more like genuine, like helping. And then I'm not saying like customer service and look in sales, they'll still need to be somebody who kind of like gently guides you toward like the right solution. But I feel like it's going to require salespeople to be smarter about their industry than maybe they've had to be before. Because before when I came to you, um, I was maybe looking at one or two other people um, or you came to me, you came to me you know, kind of cold, you know, outbound. And maybe I wasn't looking at anything. So my knowledge is very low. And I think what's gonna happen if you fast forward two, three, four years from now at the enterprise level, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna know these are the four other people. I'm gonna go to G2 crowd, I'm gonna see these are the things that, that you do really well from. If you're buying of software, people. yeah. Yeah, for software in particular. Um, and they're they're expanding into other services. Sure. Um and I'm and, and therefore as a salesperson, you're gonna have to know all this stuff too, right? Like you don't it's not gonna be good enough to just know about your product. I
0: think knowing about your hasn't product hasn't it is, been
1: this way already? I mean, for me it's <laughs> it's <laughs> hypothetically, yes.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. So but let's let's talk about that because yeah, you know, I think customer-centric selling and solution selling, some of these books, you know, when they first they've been out 30 years. Yeah. Um so it's not like this notion is is really new. Now one things change, obviously customers have more ability to educate themselves. But even this trend, I mean, this is this is things you know we've been talking about for totally almost ten years now. Yeah,
1: I, I think we, we, we you know we've talked that the buyer has more information, right? I think HubSpot put this out. I can't even remember how long ago, you know. And, but I don't think anybody really believed it. They're like, yeah, 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 but <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I posted about this the other day. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like the buyer seventy five percent. I just don't think that that was true. Then I think maybe in some purchases um, because the information didn't exist. Right? They're like the amount of ebooks and industry white papers that exist today versus last year, two years ago, three years ago is exponentially different. And so I think although it's something that we've talked about and certain sales organizations do it better than others, I, I think what, I'm, what I, my, my thought and kind of what we're seeing in the market is it's just going to be required. You know It's not going to be like, oh, my team, yeah, it would be better if we knew about the competition. It would be better if we understood the space. No, it's going to be required because if your team doesn't know that now, they're not going to be able to compete because they're going to go to someone else. And that other rep is going to know, yeah, that's cool. You're looking at them. Here's the things they do. Here's what we do. Here's how it works. How can I help you to buy as opposed to like, and we're better for these 10 reasons. So I agree a hundred percent. And and it, it, a lot of this is like the old is new again, but I think now just sure. because of the volume of information that exists and Buyers just getting more and more comfortable getting further down the funnel in their consumer purchases and their, you know, and in, in other purchases. It's just, it's, it's kind of like a, a storm of things that are happening for, for salespeople.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder, you know, we've got all the sales enablement apps that are coming online and so on that, that address a lot of what you're talking about in terms of, you know, providing more content at the right time and so on. Um, I wonder if really. How big a difference that really makes, though. I mean, I think certainly to a degree that maybe it it does enable salespeople to some extent. But from the buyer's perspective, it's yes, you know, what are they really looking for from the salesperson these days? And and so yeah, it's what they're looking for is is I think what they've always looked for is you know this trusted advisor role. I agree, and and I think. I think there's some idea on the part of people that are sort of in the sales enablement space, especially with the, the content related apps, that somehow this, this combined with a little bit of AI and this sort of starts you know, taking the salesperson out of the equation to some degree. And I really don't think buyers look at it that way. I, mean, I think buyers, granted, they can get more information, right? They can get more educated, but to some degree, it's like more icing on the cake. They they know what they need to know in order to make a decision. What they're looking for is that that nuance, that insight, that perspective, that that really often comes from the salesperson.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, and I I agree with that hundred percent, Andy. I but you know one thing I I think I'll add or comment on is they the bots will get to the point where like, like, and, and it's going to have like, this mm-hmm. isn't like a, Oh, maybe if like it is going to happen, like bots can already. I mean, I think uh, what really opened people's eyes was when they saw that, that kind of like Google, when Google unveiled, what was it like uh, setting setting appointment with a hairdresser. hairdresser? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Guy, I mean, like if guys, it's going to happen, <laughs> like, like welcome. And if it can do that good, like, then it means that that the bots. You're, you, I think what what I'm really getting at, Andy, is that where the salesperson comes in is getting further and further down the intent process. Whereas I think what bots can do really well well not great today, but over the next few mm-hmm. years we'll be able to do well is just some of the basic stuff. You know, it's not, so it's not the trust the the later stage intent. I've narrowed it down to one or two people now. Let's go. But it will be the like, hey, like help me to understand this or this. I gotcha. Right and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and you know and you're going to want it in real time. I don't want to have to set up a call with you. Mm-hmm. It's 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 absolutely brutal. I had I just went through a purchase. We just opened an office in Austin, and I wanted to buy snacks. Okay, uh, snacks. Mm. Okay, like I don't want to deal with this at all. Right, and instead of being able to go to the site, I I had an SDR reach out and asked to set up a meeting with me about my snack needs, and and then. I had to call and, and I was like no I'm not meeting with you send me the pricing I just like I, I'll pick an option that I think and then like let's catch up later and like in 2 weeks and you, I can if I need more will we'll, you know my office manager will order more and then I had to call in with my credit card and then I you know I had a, a, a snack concierge put a time on my my calendar a week later to talk about my snack needs I'm like this is crazy like I why can't I just give you my credit card and and I, and I look I mean obviously look I you know I'm in this world you're in this world so we're just expecting less friction and especially in those types of more transactional and I think even at the enterprise level some of that basic interaction you know I tell that story because you know it's it, there's just no reason why we wouldn't head toward this friction less friction so I think the salesperson's value is going to come later in the process than maybe it does today
0: mm-hmm well oh, I, I agree 100 percent I mean I think that the it, it speaks to a whole conversation about what is the role that we see now with a lot of inside sales teams with BDrs, SDrs? Um, you know, it's always sort of been the the ideas that when of auto, full automation, AI informed automation, machine learning comes in, that hey, those are the first roles to go. Um,
1: no, I don't think so. I think, but but it, but they'll do something different. Meaning, and this goes back to it. Like everything that you said, Andy. Like I agree a hundred percent but you're talking about the very like like the top teams and reps and if you look at what's actually coming out of most bdr teams mm-hmm. like i'm sorry i can't automate that like i'm sorry i can and and Sales salesloft you know anal you know, did, it, did it, had it, sent out a great report where they looked at if you do like i think it's 18% personalization leads to 2x results in you know replies and if you don't think the bot's going to be able to get to 18% you're wrong like oh, I
0: mean, of course they will yeah
1: and so, I think that it goes back to my point. If you want to stay a BDR or SDR, you're going to have to be smarter. Uh-huh. You can't just send out like blanketed emails or custom objects. You're going to have to really understand what real personalization is or and, not necessarily an or, it's an and, and you're going to have to figure out how to build kind of a unique, defensible Like thought leadership base of people that trust you, and I think that that's that's what we're really going to see, and that's the big trend that I'm most excited about. Is I think the role of salespeople is each salesperson. We're actually going to go back to to your point from 30 years ago to where like the Rolodex matters again, because as we get pummeled in these various channels, people are going to be less likely to take people with you know meetings with people that they don't know. Um, And so if you kind of couple this with, I think the SDR and BDrs will still be have a lot to do, but they're not going to be able to do what they did. Yesterday, to be successful, or they're going to be gone. Mm. And what the other thing that they're going to have to be really, really good at is starting to build a Rolodex, right? As opposed to like building a trusted network of people who will take a meeting with you because you're adding value. And I know that, like, for a lot of us, we're like, yeah, Jake, it's a Rolodex. I'm like,
0: well, yeah, but in today's day and age, like, it's kind of a novel concept, right? Like, like, what do you mean? But here's, yeah, but here's the thing. So I'm a little contrarian on this whole thing.
1: Yeah, let's talk about it.
0: I would never have hired somebody on the basis of a Rolodex, because, quite honestly, my experience was over and has been over you know four decades in businesses that were built on relationships. and were selling, oftentimes, very expensive stuff that uh, was in a small community, so you even you knew people. Um, yeah, it just never transferred. You know, once you left a never. company and said, "Hey, yeah," I went to another. I went to a competitor and knock on the door and. You're like a, a different human being. Yeah, you may know this person, but you're rebuilding that relationship and you're either gonna yeah. win that business on its own merits, not necessarily on who you know. Did it get you in the door? Yeah, maybe.
1: That's what I'm getting at. But Th- I mean that's, it's even that's what I'm getting at. Is I think it's to get in the door. Um, that's that's gonna be the battle. You know, I feel like again, if you look at the BDR SDR's job, their job is to get in the door. I trust me, I know the exact salespeople you're talking about, and I know exactly I think what I'm getting at is I trust the content Andy's putting out. I'll take a meeting. And that gets you the at-bat as opposed to I sent a cold email um, or I, I hit you up on LinkedIn. Um, I think well, it'll be easier that way.
0: Yeah, but I, to some degree, though, you're talking about reconceptualizing the role. And because you know the idea of frontline salespeople being thought leaders is one that most sales leaders still shun and shy away from. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting. When you're talking about Rolodex, I think you're almost talking about a concept more akin to what uh, like Keith Ferrazzi talks about in Never Eat Alone, if you've never ever read his books about building your network of value. That, I think, then really becomes important. Uh, because it's not just based on something that you have you know a name, you've met them, you've handshook, maybe even sold them yep. something. But these are people who you've provided value to, and which may be outside the context of work, even. But it is your network, you know, that your network really becomes a personal asset you carry with you.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. I think, well, think about it. What's happened with salespeople, you used to, you used to get a job in sales and you'd usually stay in that industry for a long time, right? Like if you rewind to like the 80s, 90s, like that's what happened, right? You'd be, you know, you work at (laughs) GE for, for
0: 20 years, some people, right? Well, I mean, so I came of age in the valley in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And yeah, we were. Yeah, it was just it was actually we're long duration compared to people today. We actually stayed someplace two, sometimes even three years before we. Wow,
1: that's so. that's. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think the difference is like it's it, like in, they they might have been in similar spaces. Maybe yeah. I, don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I and I think that's the ne- that's the network that that people are are going to start to build is that right now you know you 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 know people go from an HR software to uh you know business intelligence to uh you know, a back end database container mm-hmm. company, and <laughs> therefore, there's no chance in hell that you are an expert in any. Of, you know what I mean? So, what I what I'm what I'm getting at is that I think in order to be successful, you're gonna have to start to pick. Like the, again, where the salesperson's value used to be, like you know, you used to be able to, you could go to these different jobs because you were executing this play, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, there's an SDR, they qualify, mm-hmm. I demo and pitch you, right? But, if I don't need the qualify, I don't need the demo and pitch. What's the value you're really going to provide me? You've been at, you've been selling in, in this space for a year, dude. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, can I talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about?
0: Yeah. I, hey, i I think that's I think that's right on. Actually, um, I hadn't really thought about that much in that term, so I like that thought because. Yeah, yeah. If you are going to well, build I, a serious network, having having longevity within an industry. And I think that there's always been a certain amount of reaching for the golden ring, right? And, or the brass ring, whatever. Um, and so people tend to change jobs fairly frequently, especially more in the tech space perhaps than others. But I think it's pretty constant in, in most industries these days. People sort of treat things the same. And I think I think you're right. I think there's a lot of value in building up your your expertise is, is not necessarily your sales expertise. It's your industry expertise customer yes. expertise
1: yes do you, know, do you do you get me it's empathy it's empathy at the macro it's do you get me do you understand my world do you understand my space do you understand what i do and i think again like there's a certain level of rep you know that we've kind of referenced a few times that look I, I and I and I, I would not to like say I'm the best ever, but I think I, I'm able to pretty quickly shift and just just but it's mm-hmm. more about like empathy. It's like I can really quickly relate and try to like genuinely understand what this person's going through. And just because of my I have a very like diverse experience in terms of industries, like I can relate to a lot of different groups, but that's I think it's more of an outlier. Yeah, I'd
0: actually call that curiosity more than empathy. I
1: super curious. That's exactly right. I didn't know why I was good at sales until I realized it was that I was just like naturally very curious.
0: Yeah. Well, um, and I think this, I think. This is a a point that certainly I've been hammering on recently. My show and and everything that I'm doing is that that yeah curiosity as a fundamental requirement for the job yeah, from a personality standpoint. And the curiosity yeah, can be learned to some degree, but it's it's uh, yeah people who aren't curious. Are not going to make it in this business, and certainly you're not going to be able to stay in an industry if you're not curious. Because if you're not curious, you're going to get bored and you're going to leave. You know, I'm looking for that next thing. I I love the rush of something new. You know, it's sort of thrown on me. But people that sit in an industry, not sit in an industry, but stay in an industry and become masters at it, it's because they're curious. It's not because they're pl- passive. It's just the opposite.
1: Yeah, and it's about the and it's the person is curious, not the company is curious. And this goes back to my point from before about. You know, sales leaders and marketing leaders waking up that you have hundreds or thousands or however many salespeople on LinkedIn every single day um, that have an opportunity to do this. And, you know, I, the thing I've been harping on a lot lately is how, you know, every, almost every team I would say is using LinkedIn, many, 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 many mm. sales teams, assuming that their buyers are there, right? There's mm-hmm. certain industries where maybe LinkedIn's not as popular. Um, and then I go to your profile and, y- you talk about you made Presidents Club, dude. Do you think I care? Like I'm a director of operations at Honeywell, and you have an IoT product. Do you think I care that you're the top performing rep at your company, and you went to Presidents Club three years in a row?
0: Or, hey. or as you oftentimes see, is, you know, opened opportunities in. <laughs> That's <laughs> one that kills me. It's like, okay, you're you're connecting with me, and I get salespeople. You know, connect with me on something, and then I look at your your LinkedIn profile. Basically you're advertising you're looking for a job.
1: Everybody is. That that that's gonna be the big shift on LinkedIn. And that, that's why I'm so bullish on this kind of idea of like building networks. Uh, uh, like, flag this mm-hmm. in th- two to three years, mm-hmm. every single salesperson is going to rewrite their LinkedIn profile to talk about how they're an expert in the space that they serve. Period. Mm-hmm. I, every single person is going to change their online, of course, it's not an online resume, it's just what you've done. But instead, <laughs> Heaven forbid that it's a resume. <laughs> you're reaching out to people on LinkedIn consistently. Then you go and you say people who viewed, and now they view your profile, and you talk about how you want best places to work in Tuscaloosa. Like, do you think you know that they care about your company propaganda? Do you think they care that you're the amazing? No, they care. Do you get my space? And Mm -hmm. so, I think as LinkedIn is now becoming a place where people go, you know, active users. I think go there. I think it's like forty percent of them go there every day. Mm -hmm. As it becomes more of a new a way that you go and executives go to get their news and get professional. It's like the professional network, you know. Right. Um, you're going to have to change our way. But the cool part is for going back to, you know, the topic, which is around you know, like SDRs and BDRs and what that means. That means if you're an SDR, BDR, and I decide, man, I'm really into this whole IoT thing. And I go and I work at, you know, Microsoft or you know, C3 IoT or, you know, Helium, one of these companies. Um, and I just start to connect with these people. I start to share things about what's happening in IoT. And I do it that again and again and again. And guess what? Month 10 of being an SDR, I've got, you know, 300 directors of operations at different industrial manufacturing companies who interact with my content every two weeks you know and and i think it's just putting out like basic things and and, and marketing is going to have to enable their sales teams to push out that type of thought leadership not push out our best places to work you know award not push out our ebook or white paper
0: all right, right? so here's here's the base what i see so sort of the fundamental challenge with that is that you know thought leadership requires thought And, you know, one of the problems that that I see from what I'm doing is that there's this real reluctance, and this is not pointing fingers at any generation or not because it's it's always sort of been the case, is that, you know, in sales, there's a very small subset of, of professional salespeople who are making that investment in terms of really learning their customers, really learning their craft, really investing their own time, perhaps even their own money to do this. And and that's what, what you described really requires. And I think the people that make that investment, if they see themselves into the future, and I think one of the problems with SDRs now is they only see to the next job, right? I'm here 12 months and then there's the next job, I'm going to go. And they're not saying, where am I in 10 years, right? And what does 10 years look like? And what do I need to learn to get from here to there? What do I need to master to get from here to yeah. there? And to me, this is the big the big gap that we need to, as culturally in sales and I think it's just the way people look at the profession is you know, we don't have continuing education requirements. We don't you know, have people really treat it as a profession. It's just treat it as a job. And what you're describing uh, which is highly desirable is really saying you know, this is a profession. You know, part of what my profession is, yeah, I am thinking about my customers and what I can do to serve them and, and spending time on that and learning what I need to do to be able to help them better.
1: That, that, that's exactly right. It goes back to what I was talking about you know, 20 minutes ago, which is it's just gonna be required. Like if Well who's if gonna require it though? The buyer. The buyer's gonna require it. The buyer well, is not going to deal with it. They've got this it,
0: disconnect between the managers, right? Because managers most sales managers, they're not they're not forcing their people to do this. Yeah, most In CROs, effects,
1: most VPs aren't.
0: No, and they and they sort of take the attitude, well, if I have to force them to do it, they're not gonna do it. So you know that's the. Oh, then, then don't
1: be mad when you're unemployed in four years. Like, don't be mad when you're at a customer. You know what I mean? Like, cool. Don't you don't have to? Like, great. Like, it is why. Like, there will be. I mean, Andy. Like, it will. It's gonna happen, mm-hmm. right? Like, in five, four to five years. Like, there's gonna be a some some shit's gonna get real, like real oh, I, real.
0: And I, I agree, hundred percent. By the way, but just, just.
1: And, and and I think what I'm trying to get at is that. I, I hear you. And and I don't think enough people are talking about it because it's easier, right? Andy, it's easier to just say, well, but but Aaron Ross told me predictable revenue. If we just generate X amount of leads and X amount of this, and I'll just drive toward activity. And, and it's just that easy. And guess what? It's breaking now because we don't know how to judge influence in the process. What's the multi-touch whatever. And and like we are using LinkedIn as a channel. How do you track the influence of LinkedIn? I just think the metrics are getting different. The buyers are getting, our behavior is changing, and sales is not caught up. And the technology we we need to wait, understand you, how. To, you read my article this morning. <laughs> 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 yes, I mean, because I, I think there's this understanding of it, but we're scared, right? As a sales leader, you're like, look, I've grown multiple teams to 120 million ARR or whatever it is, or 500 million ARR, and now wait, you're telling me that that's not going to be successful. Well, I just got this huge, you know. Uh you know, new job and and equity, like you think I'm gonna go run some new plays? No, we're gonna go run what got me here, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's gonna happen, and then everyone will go, oh yeah, like we we've got to go do this whole new thing, and I don't know what it'll be called- okay, you know it won't be called account based everything or whatever it is, but there's gonna be like the next term, which is around sales people like. Actually, having to add real value, and that if you can't add value to the equation versus execute a play, like, I'm sorry, like, that's where the bot's going to replace you.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting conversation because, again, this is a drum I've been beating for a long time, but it was, it was, you know, it's the fact of life for me in my sales career. I mean, I t-
1: yeah, I know. I mean and for a lot sense. for a lot of people it is but I mean Andy I don't know how many like demos you've taken recently or sales teams like it's not what's happening man. Like well, we we've no. whenever I learned the craft you know kind of in the mid to early 2000s um it was I, I, again, maybe it was a curiosity whatever I just indexed that way but now but but these roles didn't you know necessarily it wasn't you know SDR sales account management customer success right it was like you kind of like did a little bit of everything um,
0: so well, the playbook uh, yeah. will change I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean the playbook has to change I mean it, it, so, it, so many people use change. predictable revenue as a bible and it served many companies well uh, to a degree it was written ten years ago. No, more. Almost fifteen. Yeah, and yeah. fifteen years ago, and, we're running plays from. Do you know what existed? Sales. I just had this conversation with somebody I interviewed right before you came on, which is, <laughs> yeah, we're we're running sales fundamentally the same way it's been run for over a hundred years, and so you know the mechanics of how we do sales may have changed, but the way you measure quota, take quota. Yeah, I'm of the belief, and I've. On record with this, I think quote is an absolutely useless measure of performance, but, and productivity. But yeah, it's, we've been using it since Lord knows when 1890s probably, um, when a modern American selling started, and we need to start reevaluating all the metrics we use, all the ways we've you know, manage people, evaluate people, assess producti- actual productivity, which we'd have no one measures productivity today the way that it's actually meant to be measured. So, yeah, I think we're, we're at a moment in sales where a real rethink of the paradigms, as we talked about, really important.
1: It's going to be required. I mean, Andy, it, it, like I said, it's just going to be required. And it's cool. Like, if you don't, again, and like, maybe, it, I mean, I think I think it's going to be, it's, it's for the best, right? I think it's, it's we're going to work, it's going to be treated like, to your point, more of a profession because there's, there's going to be true expertise that exists. Um, because if it's not, if you don't have knowledge, if you don't have a, a certain level of knowledge, then you're going to, like, yes, of course the bots are going to be able to do most of what you do. You know, like, I'll, it, I'll it, say it a all, diff- I'd say it, it a different way.
0: What I'd say is if you don't have knowledge, but if you don't have wisdom, because bots and AI can replicate your knowledge, but they can't replicate your wisdom. And it's that, you know, the insight perspective the thing you bring as a human that's integrating the knowledge, the empathy, the curiosity that's what's really going to set you apart.
1: Yeah, I think, but I think we're going to be really shocked at what bots are going to be able to do in five years. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I think, I'm not, I think, not
0: shocked at all. But I, I, I think, I think they're going to anybody that underestimates. You know, there's a, you know, a, a famous law about technology. A guy named Roy Amara, who is a futurist at Stanford, he's unfortunately passed away, but coined this this law that said, you know, we we overestimate the impact of a technology in the short term and underestimate the impact in the long term. And I think yeah, that's absolutely love true. It. Yeah, I love that, it. that we erase cycling bots and going, oh, but it's like just wait, yeah, <laughs> in five, ten years, yeah, the impacts will be very, very big. Okay. But I, to the point I was just making is, is, you know, I think the mastering the ability to be human and to add value in a human way in the era of AI, in the era of bots, is going to be the true differentiator. And those people who can do that will thrive. Those who can't we'll be looking elsewhere.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that's, that's exactly right. And I think it does start to your point with, you know, the SVP, the CRO levels um, that we've got to stop just focusing a hundred percent of our reps time on monthly. I think this is your point around KPIs and quotas too. Mm. I think this is maybe what you're getting at is you, you ask your team to dedicate a hundred percent of their time to hitting a month or a quarter. And so they, 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 it goes back to why aren't more reps doing this on building more thought leadership, et cetera. Well, because my boss doesn't see any value in me trying to build no. my career for the midterm. Yeah. I mean, and I might say midterm, I'm talking like six months or a year from now <laughs> no, to make my no, life easier. No, I agree, I'm not even right. talking about a long term here that we're not, we're not giving reps 10 or 15% of their day to do activities that are going to then position them to crush it in like, a year. Mm-hmm. And it's because we've become so short-sighted and we're private companies. These companies are private. It's a fake pressure. You know what I mean? Like you're not public. <laughs> like you're not reporting. I mean you're reporting earnings of your VC, probably, but, oh, uh, but I you mean know.
0: you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that that whatever that amount of time is, you know, I've I've a huge believer that you need to set aside time to learn every day. And this is part of what you're talking to in terms of making investments in something beyond just the short term. And I've for this show, I've interviewed, you know, entrepreneurs who are privately held startup companies, high growth companies that are setting aside, you know, half hour a day for everybody to stop. Work stops, everybody learns. And you know, if I when I talk about that to most VPs of sales, especially in tech, they're horrified by the thought. Absolutely horrified. And yeah. it's like, well, first of all, you're you know, the, the research is pretty clear. That survey after survey done for decades is that reps don't spend any more than 35% of their time actually engaging with customers. You have the time during the day, but it makes the senior manager so nervous, this thought that you know somebody's Complete right, attention I, I may not need be
1: focused MQLs. on. Yeah, I have to get my MQLs right now. I get my SQLs right now. I need more activity. It's so funny. I mean, obviously, you know. Look, we work with hundreds of companies every year um, at a wide variety of different stages, from companies with you know thousands of salespeople to you know twenty or or some even less. And we cannot get over volume. I mean, I see it in sales leader after sales leader after sales leader. They cannot let go of volume. We have to let go. Like It is there, it is about effectiveness, not volume. Volume is a, uh, a, uh, like uh, an important <laughs> thing to look at, but not mm-hmm. the. And I, I mean, it's like, it's like does not compute, you know, when we have these sure. conversations about what if we tracked meaningful conversations as the first step, mm-hmm. as opposed to any, any other activities?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, can't do it. Can't do it. You know we do have to track calls, activities like fine, sure, whatever. You know, <laughs> well, like,
0: and I think this is the point we started the conversation, which is that for many leaders who might not otherwise have done this, the availability of the technology, giving them the visibility into this level of activity that they didn't have before, is unfortunately encouraging this bad behavior.
1: Yeah, because we're not. Yeah, you're right. Because what we're doing is we're we're trying to use that. We're trying to adapt the technology to our process, as opposed to figure out how to create like a better process and have the technology to enable it. We're we're just trying to say, cool. Now I can do more. Mm -hmm. This sales and I mean, obviously, look, we've done hundreds of sales engagement, you know, overhauls or implementations. So I think we know more about this space than you know. I would argue anyone except the companies that are actually building the software, Um, and. We're, we've got to start to view these are workflow management tools. They're not email tools, but most people they still think their email or call tools. It's like mm. no, it's just a workflow. Right. It just allows you to to create a workflow that the sales team can then execute against, and we can track it and we can optimize it. But but instead, whenever we most teams when they made these purchases, they didn't view it as a workflow tool. They viewed it as a way to do more, as opposed to and, and hopefully be more effective in the process. But um, it's just that we can't get away from this more mentality, and that's well, my no, point. Guess what? The bots can do more, better than any of us can.
0: Absolutely. If it's all about more, the bots will do it way more. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. the thought of doing things better is just absent, unfortunately, from most most sales leaders. At least the ones I've been engaging with recently is is like, and you know, I tell the story all the time about this, you know, CRO that, <laughs> that I spoke to that, you know, his idea for growth was all about more at the top of the funnel and nothing about more at the bottom of the funnel. Right? It wasn't like God. but don't you under, but but look, the book says if we get x <laughs> well, number of leads. Well, I know, but the technology enables that behavior.
1: It right? it, it just all works out. Well, yeah, well the pro, it it shouldn't though. The technology wasn't orig- I mean maybe it was originally cuz here's the thing too, this is the other thing that no that nobody I don't think talks about enough. Back in 2015, 2014, 2015, 2016, when these tools were relatively new, you could just send a bunch of emails and book meetings. And it was like awesome. And guess what? That's exactly what you should have done in 2014, 2015, 2016. Fast forward to 2018, 2019. And guess what? Now that everyone's doing it, it doesn't work anymore. Now we got to go find something else. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the problem is we're still, we're still, Looking back at the days of twenty sixteen when I knew my emails was twenty seventeen, you know we made an early investment in those tools, and they just don't they haven't changed the playbook. they haven't realized like, oh yeah, that is cool, that worked for a while, and now it's not, so we got to go do you know I don't know whatever the next cool thing is
0: you know well yeah, and I, and I'll sort of wrap up because unfortunately we're running a little long, but it's been a fun conversation is is you know the bridge I think for for tools companies that they have to sort of span, the gap they have to span is okay, everything you're doing is about sales. So, what are you doing to help the buyer make a decision? I mean, there's some of that's taking place with some of the sales enablement, but you know, most of these engagement platforms and so on, it's just as the buyers perceive it. It's all about me, 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 the seller. And it's not about them, 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 the buyer. And until they can span that gap, I think now that also is a, a critical issue
1: exactly right that's right it's always been about the buyer right it, and your efficiency comes second to to you know the buyer like the ideal buyer journey yeah um, and i think and as the buyer's behavior changes as sales leaders and people and people in this world we have to change too and it's it's not and it's and again it's going to be required or again don't be upset in 5 years when you're like i miss the good old days Jake, whenever it was about the people and the relationships and I could old take old Hank out to steak dinners. Like, cool. In some industries, it's still gonna work, but in other industries buyers want something different. Yeah, and I think it's well, we just going we've gotta adapt.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I I talked about that specifically in my first book I published yeah. seven years ago, which is those days were done then. I mean, it's you know, don't bother me, don't take me to lunch, just give me the information I need to help me make a decision. Mm-hmm. So all right, well, Jake. Fantastic, talking to you. Awesome,
1: man. I enjoyed so how, it.
0: How can people like uh, get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Jake Dunlap on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. We're doing a lot of stuff. I, you know, we're firm believers that um, we think that Instagram is also a great platform for people to engage. So you can find me there, Jake underscore Dunlap underscore, um, and then check us out at scaled s k a l e d where you can stay up to date on sales and marketing trends and hear me rant and talk about the, the, the future, the exciting future of, of sales.
0: Excellent. Okay. You didn't even rant today. You did a great job. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jake. Awesome. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me. I also want to thank my guest, Jake Dunlap. Now, join me again next week. We've got a great show coming. As I'm, my welcoming is my guest, the New York Times best-selling author Daniel Pink. Now, Dan's latest book is titled When: The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And we're going to talk about the science behind timing and sales and the importance of timing and sales. You know, when's the optimal time to prospect during the day? When should you do your discovery calls? Perhaps when should you do your, your qualification? I mean, there's a science behind all of this. You can learn this and put this to use in sales really to help improve your performance. So, you don't want to miss this conversation. That'll be next week with Dan Pink. Now, before you go, don't forget to check out thesaleshouse.com forward slash sales plan, again, where you can download the overview of the sales plan I've personally used over the past three years in a really successful career. Make sure you check that out. So, thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.